welcome to the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. This week we read chapters 9 through 16 of Bear by Marion Engel. Here's the story so far. After weeks spent exploring the isolated estate of Colonel Carey, our heroine Lou enters into a dangerous game of cat and mouse. Or, should I say, beauty and beast? With her heart up for grabs, who will be the first to cross the line from taboo to taboo? The greatest romance story ever told continues here at the Gentleman's Romantic Book. Oh, hello there, and welcome back to the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. Pull up a chair, we're reading Bear. As always, I am Mac Money. And I'm your other co-host, Lucky, here again with another couple of chapters under our belt, and another shocking revelation, I would say. I would say that I I certainly feel yeah. different again. There's a couple shocking revelations in here. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I didn't see them coming. I feel like we've talked about fighting against it right i feel i feel as reading with these chapters there were moments where the book was taking a turn more toward self-exploration and discovery and then we quickly at one hundred thousand miles an hour veer back into very uncomfortable territory <laughs> uh yeah i'd say that uh, marion engel is actually a master at sort of vaulting and being like this puppet master with people's emotions because just <laughs> as you're getting ready to like fully support lou and what she's doing she pulls the rug out from under you with some like really uh i almost said sensual and i don't know if that's the right word i wouldn't have used the word sensual for sure no it's definitely in that overarching category but it's way dirtier it's way further in the bog and the swamp uh, I should say that, oh God, <laughs> Sorry. knowing what's coming, it's just makes some of these comments like un- unbearable. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so this last week we read uh, chapters nine through 16 of Bear by Marion Engel. And this is like, well, this puts us like two thirds of the way through the book. And I think it's that classic formula. Uh, you know, they say that like, if you're writing any sort of story or a play that the first act is a question mark. The second act is an exclamation point, and the third mm-hmm. act is a period. And this this uh, section of chapters was definitely the exclamation point of the story. Certain. Well, I hope it was the exclamation point of the story. Um, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but I do feel like maybe this was the build up to what is to come for our final little reading. Uh, I'd like to bring it back the, to the beginning of the reading in general and just talk about kind of a quick ex- uh, uh, escalation with an yeah. unexplained nude moment. Which I don't understand. Yeah, well, they, she takes the bear and she goes swimming with the bear, which she has done before, which we've talked about being kind of normal yes, activity. Yeah. And at, she's just nude. At one point, she just gets nude, very one sentence, and then swims with the bear, and it just kind of happens. I don't – it seems kind of out of left field, but I think maybe that's building up to what we're seeing to come. Yeah, I think skinny dipping with a bear is probably like a lead up to some sexual activity. <laughs> there was another part – in which she felt guilty about spending time with this bear, where yeah. she, yes, this other part where she, re- she references maybe she paid for sex. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I, that's you raised a good point about how she's like combating her feelings for the bear because you could make an argument in the first part of the book, I think, and we think we did that the bear is like this symbol for her 
freedom or sexuality being chained up and that she's like sort of letting it loose. But then this like puts that aside, these chapters, and uh, really make it obvious that she's having romantic feelings for the bear, which she is then like totally against and trying to fight. And it's bringing up all this like trudged up memories uh, from her. Did you interpret that, that she had paid for sex with the gentleman that she, I think it's like the line is, um, she like picked up a man on the street. That is kind of what I assumed. I thought it was kind of like she went and found like a John. I don't really know, I guess, what like sure. pro- male prostitutes are called out on the street. We'll call them Lukes. She went and found just <laughs> a random Luke on the street. That's pretty good. Because I, I guess, I guess it was probably my sexism there because if it was a male character saying it was a woman he had picked up on the street, I would be like, well, that's a prostitute. Mm. And I wouldn't even have a second thought about it. But because it was a woman, I think I just like mentally, I don't even know what I thought of that. I thought it was, I've noted it because I thought it was a strange passage because she then equates it to being like a negative experience it like didn't work out for her to Mm -hmm. be with this um gentleman of the night that's a vampire Uh, and i think part of that guilt that she feels towards her feelings uh about the bear manifest in uh, pretty early on in chapter nine where she i think she swims with the bear and then she goes and like puts the bear back and like chains him up again which he hasn't been chained up for a while and i wrote down uh he licked her hand once and ambled back to his briar. She had no difficulty snapping the chain back on his collar. And it's like, the bears, after all that they've been through, the bear's probably like, ain't this some shit? Yeah. I see how it is. Also, they make it pretty clear that no matter what, he can just loosen himself at any time and do whatever he wants. I mean, this bear has total domination of this entire island. And when they're swimming, the bear almost kills her. Because mm-hmm. they're swimming together. That, that skinny dipping scene you mentioned, they're like... She dives under the water and the bear like jumps on top of her and she like is for a minute like concerned that she's going to drown in the river. And then afterwards is like, oh, you're a curious thing, bear. Mm. Curious? Really? Indeed. This was the first time that I marked down a racy animal encounter because yes, wow, the bear almost drowned her. They do. Or Marion Engel does specifically mention the bear licking her back and her like the curious sensation of it all post almost drowning. And I think this is like another awakening experience, terrifying me to my very core for Lou. That was my first racy animal encounter. Is that one of your color codes? That's one of, that's my yellow color code because I know to, Hey, go ahead and avoid it. Okay. So that, that, I think that brings us up to three of your color codes. I'm glad you brought this up because we, I know we have, uh Oh moments. That was one you talked about last time. There was, was it whoopsie? No. Big red flags. Big big red flags. Uh-ohs. And what's the third one now? Racy animal encounters. Racy animal encounters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to walk us through the other two? Uh, yeah, I can hit you with one that I thought was going to have like a lot more prominence in reading. However, it hasn't. Racy human encounters. I um, <laughs> Tragic lack of those. Yeah. <laughs> a shocking lack. I feel like Homer has made it very clear that he is A, in competition for Lou and B, in competition with the bear. He mentions over and over again, like in these few chapters too, like, I see you getting friendly with the bear. Like, I've seen you doing this. Where is he? He's not on the island. Is he on his boat watching them from miles the off with a pair of binoculars? <laughs> like, I knew it. <laughs> and he's sitting there seething, like, how do I get her? Like, next time she's at the grocery store, I'll give her a fresh egg. Like, Maybe he and the bear are like good friends and this they used to hang out all the time, used to be buds. And now Lou moved to the island. It's like, oh, now that he's got this girl on the island can't watch the game anymore maybe it's not so much racy human encounters that i'm looking out for but it more so like a broken friendship encounters so hold on we've got animal sexual encounter human sexual encounter mm-hmm. uh-ohs big red flags big red flags i keep wanting to say whoopsies i don't know why you would have a whoopsie tag 
I don't even know when a whoopsie tag would come into prominence. Like, that would be maybe when Lou is cooking food and she like makes a mistake. Like, ah, got her again. Whoopsie. <laughs> uh, no, um, my final tag was a combination because I felt like after the first moment of this, it's eye rolls and eye raises. Because I oh. there are there are definitely moments where I kind of give the eye raise side look purse lips going, mm, I don't think so. And there are other moments where Homer is saying some incredibly misogynistic things where I go, oh, brother. And, and it's this, like, eye roll. Yeah, it's just a lot of eye expression. So my final tag is for really just eye reactions to things. I really like your system because it breaks down five, like, levels of discomfort. <laughs> each, like, in raising, starting with, like, an uh-oh, or whoopsie, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. And then escalating to, like, animal-human sex <laughs> and, like, enormous eye rolls. I did steal your after last time I stole your uh oh and I did label I have one uh oh moment from these chapters uh and it is kind of early on um Lou's in the cabin and it's like dumping rain outside and there's a weird line where it's like the rain made her want to urinate and I was like uh oh was like, <laughs> is this gonna be another chapter eight situation <laughs> the amount of time we talk about just bowel movements in this book I think is incredible and I'm understanding now why it was passed up by a couple of different publishers in the beginning Pooping and peeing become, in these chapters, not just, like, plot devices, but a motif throughout. Like, there's multiple references to excrement and excreting of those excrements in these chapters. I'd really like to hear what you felt when you read that chapter where she just makes direct eye contact while the bear is taking, I think it's a reference as a steaming dump. Yeah, it's a pretty chilly morning up there in Manitoba, and <laughs> she has gone out and uh, witnesses the bear taking a dump. And at first I thought this is kind of a rehash of what we saw earlier. Like, I know how this goes. <laughs> and there, there's like a line in there. She went to the bed at dawn. Uh, let's see. She went to bed at dawn, giving the bear his breakfast as she chained him in the yard. As soon as he got there, he crouched and made a great turd that steamed in the morning chill. <laughs> so actually, I think you put it a little bit more eloquently than Marion did. <laughs> she watched his face as his bowels moved, half amused at herself to be looking for emotion. And there was none. She had nothing to contribute. She had nothing to contribute is a pretty generous way of saying she didn't have to take a dump in the morning. Yeah, I feel like whenever I'm not taking a shit next to an animal, I am contributing. You would be giving back to society or saying simply by not pooping next to an animal every morning. Yeah, I feel like that is me doing my civic duty, if anything. <laughs> yeah, pun intended, I'm certain. Pun intended, indeed. <laughs> and then, like, I'm not joking about crap. Or um, what is that? It's great, great turds that steam in the morning chill. I'm not talking about great turds being just like a moment or two in this book. They are a theme because literally in the next paragraph after that, she has that moment with the bear. She's like reading and she like finds a piece of paper in the library that says uh, Waldo in the Ruthenian legend is a lost prince who is rescued from ignominy by a bear whose droppings are gold. This she entered onto another card. So she like reads about bear poop and is like drawing connections i imagine like somewhere in the cabin she set up this like cork board with all these different bears and pictures of crap and like a stringing red string just as conspiracy <laughs> theories and there's a big question mark in the middle between the bear and human and she just can't figure out how to link those two where it's justifiable it's very interesting <laughs> you bring that up because i do i think that moment where she's looking at the bear that was the moment that i really noticed that uh, marion was uh really personifying this bear it was kind of to me a really obvious representation of her uh, I guess um, justifying the bestiality that is to come, almost. Yeah, because she like 
has these thoughts about the bear and then she's like, oh, no, I can't. And she's like conflicted for like one night about what she's supposed to do. Yeah, it doesn't take her long to really solve that mystery. And what's funny is that I think that part of her awakening is when because Homer is a bigger part of these chapters. He starts hanging out around the farm. They start working on like a garden for her together. And he imparts on her a lot of history of people on the island. And he tells a story about the like main woman whose like name is Colonel Carrie, which is weird. There's a, a woman who lived on the island. Well, I want to talk about that more in depth, but Lou is like inspired by this story of a pioneer woman who came to the island and lived and like explored and uh, like actually kept bears as pets as well. And it's weird that her takeaway from this like empowered feminist story is like, you know what? You're right, Homer. You're right. I'm going to fuck that bear. And it's like, well, well, that's not at all what I was getting at. She's just a woman who wore pants. Yes, you're right. It's okay for a woman to explore her sexuality on an island full of animals. Yeah, the, the desperate leaps to justification is just incredible to me in some of these chapters. Um, it, you know, it's interesting that Homer takes the time to give this incredible history of the island because Engel spends so long describing these chapters, I have to imagine there is some mystery in there that I'm completely missing. I'm kind of under the assumption now that these mystery bear chapters that are falling out of books, the title of the books, the different histories, there is a hidden novel in here somewhere. And I think Homer knows the secret of it. So you're thinking that there's some sort of Bear Vinci code happening between the lines. Yeah, I absolutely think that there's something going on behind the scenes that's giving claws to pause. <laughs> uh, there's a funny moment in Homer's like fucking monologues on monologues that he has during these chapters about the history of the island where he's advising her. They're making a garden for Lou and Homer says something like, if you're smart, you'll get that bears. You'll take the bear shit and you'll use that as fertilizer. And then I just imagined him looking over the bears like crap grounds or whatever and being like, wow, sure is a lot of shit for just one bear. <laughs> that's odd. And Lou's just like shifting her eyes left and right. Like, uh, that's, that's weird. I don't know. No idea about that. You know, I don't, I don't put myself out there as a shit expert, but like they look different. You would think that Homer would know pretty quickly the difference between human and bear feces. That's interesting. You bring up that specific part too, when he's talking about fertilizing and doing the farming, because he says the line, I think right before what you had mentioned, if you're smart, you won't be too much like a lady. And there's just so many times when Homer opens his big fucking dumb mouth that I get so annoyed with this person for being such a blind, ignorant asshole. Yeah, you're totally right. Because after he gets done telling her about that, like, um, strong pioneer woman, Lou's like, she sounds like quite a lady. And Homer goes, she wasn't a lady. She was imitating a man. And she did good at that. And Lou just sort of nods her head and smiles. It's like, wait, <laughs> this dude's like slapping your face, essentially. It makes a lot of sense why she's not choosing him, but instead having to go back into bear times. Uh, and Lou clearly has some uh, issues. She has issues with her sexuality and I think with with men a little bit because she uh, at one point goes mushroom hunting and describes them as uh, strange, decayed phalluses. And that's mm. how she describes mushrooms, which I mean, yeah, but why are you going to put it like that? That's I never. Yeah, I guess I've never really looked at a mushroom and been like, wow, phallic. You know, I just say like, oh, a mushroom. That's, I think, well, I think losing in a different headspace. It's like, ah, oh, look at these tasty gnarled old cocks of things. Like, that's gross. You're going to collect those and eat those, Lou. Do you really want to be thinking about them like that? Um, and then before we get to the real crazy stuff that happens in the last couple chapters of this book, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about how she like starts to tell the bear that she loves him. She like starts, she, she like takes 
the next step in the relationship. Like she's the one in my mind who crosses that barrier towards, I guess, I guess it's this relationship with the bear. I don't want to say happiness because I don't know. This like doesn't seem healthy to me. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of moments while reading and she's going through this self-discovery that the way she's presenting it to herself feels very unhealthy and feels not beneficial to her going forward. She has this continuous crisis of self-identity, which, you know, you mentioned she says she is in love with the bear. And I think that almost isn't given enough attention when it's mentioned in the book. And then later, you know, she's talking about uh, who she is and trying to validate herself. But the way she chooses to validate herself in the sense of this bear and like her job and the director, I think, is just so unhealthy. You know, she's she's putting herself out there by being validated by people in her life, telling her what to do, as opposed to making her own decisions. And I think while she's finding that in herself, she's going about it in probably the most unhealthy way possible. Well, and that's so true, because another thing that we were that's revealed in these chapters is that she's been having sex with her boss, the director of the Institute, like weekly for a long time. And I'm not saying that that's a healthy – obviously, she doesn't see that as a healthy sexual relationship. But she's not nearly the, like, dried up emotional – she's, like, maybe emotionally dried up. But she's not as, like, frail or innocent as we were led to believe in the beginning. I think for the first eight chapters, I sort of saw her as this, like, distant – kind of a cold woman in many ways, the way she said she doesn't like animals, the way she doesn't really feel much towards Homer. And she's only like feeling some like warmth towards this bear. But in actuality, she's like having an affair with her boss and she like is picking up men on the street. And she's like a little bit more hardcore, I think, than I gave her credit for in the first bits of it. I mean, having sex with the bear is pretty metal. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much more hardcore than that. That's for sure. I definitely agree with you. I think that she she has this like transformation transformative moment, and I would like to mention that they don't specific or and please correct me if I'm wrong here. It is never specifically said that she is sleeping with the director. However, it is like heavily heavily implied, and the moment after she, we'll we'll get into this part detail. The moment after something happens with her, we get the actual name of the director for the first time ever. You know, he's never mentioned by name until we get this empowering moment by her where she feels she is in charge of her life where we hear the name and how she, he must be missing her. Um, it's, I, I, I disagree with you though, Lucky, because they explicitly state that they have sex, right? I don't think so. Uh, I thought it was heavily implied. I don't remember. That's why I'm asking to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, ideas were all, this is from page 78. Uh, ideas were all very well and she could hide in her work, forgetting for a while the real meaning of the Institute where the director fucked her weekly on her desk while both of them pretended they were shocking the government. How did I miss this crazy sentence? <laughs> and she knew in her heart that what he wanted was not her waning flesh, but elegant 18th century keyholes, of which there is a shortage in Ontario. That is buck wild that I completely missed this entire section. It's okay. Uh, it was in between some pretty... I think I mean, this is immediately preceding the first uh, sex scene, for lack of a better term, in the book. So um, perhaps that's... It's in the middle of the sex scene, and, you know, I do I do need to be honest with you. It was hard to read every single word, so I may have been skittering my way through those last couple of pages, kind of going, oh, God, and continuing to read and looking away. I want to talk about, before we get into that, like, life-altering last couple of chapters, uh, is Colonel K Jocelyn Carey a woman? Is that whose estate they're setting up to find? Because there's a woman in this, like, Homer goes on and on about the woman whose name is Colonel Carey, because... 
the island could only be left to a colonel carry. So everybody in the, like the sons were always trying to get in the military to become colonels. And it finally gets down the family line to this, they have a, just a girl and they're like, well, that's going to lose the island. And then, so he rushes down and christens the girl colonel as her name, which I thought is like, it's almost some weird, like local folk story instead of a historical tidbit. From what I was understanding from the reading was that was the most recent carry to be the island owner. And that was kind of the failing end of the line, which is why the family was very mad that she left it to the Institute as opposed to getting a colonel in the family. And this person was jaded because they were named Colonel. So they could skirt the law and get the island without anybody in the family being or the law or whatever, like in the family. As far as I was understanding it. No, that, that, that reaffirms what I thought. I just, for some reason, been going through the book thinking that Colonel Jocelyn Carey was this, like, stodgy British man or, you know, Canadian fellow. And uh, just the, the reveal that it's, like, a woman who also raised bears on the island was sort of a flip of the script for me. I was going to say, I could see a prequel about Colonel Jocelyn Carey. Colonel, and it's called Colonel Jocelyn Barry. Or Bear Year Zero. The Colonel story. Godine, get back to me, Godine. Hit me up. Hit me up. You can reach us at uh, grbooknook at gmail.com. You find us on Twitter. Uh, this podcast goes out on Spotify, iTunes. If you uh, are enjoying the show, publishers out there, feel free to leave a review. Let us know that you're interested in picking up my ideas uh, anytime. Yeah, if you're listening and yeah, you got something from that, please write us in. If you didn't, I'd also love to hear that. That would be great. I feel like maybe you might be more in my camp. Anybody listening, let me know, and we will talk about those different titles. <laughs> that's grbooknook at gmail.com send us whatever you're, whatever you'd like and if you're enjoying the show um, leave a review it means a lot to us we don't advertise in any way and um, most of all tell your friends about it if you, th- you know somebody who likes romance novels or hates them preferably uh, <laughs> feel free to recommend the show to them oh god yeah I'm just like looking at my notes and now like all that I have left to talk about is these last couple of chapters so fuck it let's just let's 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 get into it let's get real let's talk about chapters 15 and 16 um, cause honestly I could tell that Marion was like losing a little bit of focus leading up to these chapters. Like the, the, of these like, uh, eight or nine chapters we read, most of them are almost a little incoherent. They're not poorly written, but it's like, it's like barreling forward. And, um, I do a little bit of writing and I, when I'm like eager to get to like a certain part of a story, I'll underwrite a little bit as I move forward. Cause I'm so excited to get to that moment. And you could tell that she was just like pumped to write these like love stories, th- these passionate chapters of of the culmination of this of the love between a woman and a bear i mean it's absolutely insane how chapter 15 starts because i mean a lot of these chapters are very business as usual where lou wakes up Mm -hmm. she starts doing her work she maybe hangs out with the bear for a little bit and i mean this chapter just goes and goes to the point where you know she's working no problem at all the bear's in the house okay happened before and now the bear is nose deep in the honey pot oh Lucky. <laughs> Bears do love honey. He's, oh, no. That's, he sniffed out the honey pot. I'm just saying, I mean, this is the way that I'm going to be comfortable talking about what happened. It's funny that you say that the bear sniffed out the honey pot because, okay, that does occur. But the de- by definition of a honey pot in like the legal term is like a, it's like entrapment a little bit. Like you, it's like something that draws the flies or draws the bears. And I think this Lou does lay it all out for the bear. I would agree. There's a reading of this where you could see her as the seductor in this situation. Like I said before, she's the one who moves across the line towards the bear. There's so many ways to dance around it. And I think that she was fed up dancing around it. And it is quite the graphic sexual encounter. Um, I think that is how I very easily miss the fact that she had been sleeping with the director all of this time. 
Actually, okay. What's weird is she mentions in this chapter earlier that the director had been fucking her on her desk weekly, right? But then, as she's rubbing the bear with her feet again before they get down to the bear's nest, she says, oh, uh, she thinks, oh, she was lonely, inconsolably lonely. It was years since he had had human contact, and she had always been bad at finding it. It was almost as if men knew that her soul was gangrenous. That's really harsh on yourself, Lou. But like, so that's a little, I don't know if that's an inconsistency or if maybe I misunderstood the earlier passage. Um, ideas were all very well where she could hide in her work, forgetting for a while the real meaning of the institute where the director fucked her weekly on her desk. So maybe it was like a really terribly veiled euphemism for like emotionally fucked her. Like, oh. just fucked her over. Because, I mean, he, they do mention later where he gives her a letter and he's just like, when are you back? And he was, like, they really, Engle paints him as this controlling asshole. Um, you know, it's quite possible that it was like, I'm being fucked at work and now I need that physical release. <laughs> if so, I laugh. So I kind of like Lou a little bit more. I she got <laughs> fucked on her desk every week by a shitty boss and a terrible government job. <laughs> it does make her a little bit more likable in that sense, yeah. Oh, bear, she said, rubbing his neck. She got up and took her clothes off because she was hot. And that's not the only reason. She lay down on the far side of the bear, away from the fire, and a little way away from him, and began in her desolation to make love to herself. And that's... I'm not going to read the full description of what comes next. Yeah, wow. And then, um, you know, I'm not going to paint it as too weird. She, the bear gives this woman oral pleasure at the end of chapter 15. It's, it's, only, a, it's only a few... Um, only a few sentences, a few paragraphs of it... Uh, but I will say that he does his job pretty well. She certainly doesn't complain. I the In chapter 16, you know, after this happened, I had to put the book down for a little bit, take a breather, just kind of let it wash over me. I remember thinking in the first sentence of chapter 16, like, oh, she feels remorse for it. And then in the second sentence, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 not at all. This this was a turning point. No, she's she's manipulating the bear to get sexual pleasure from it. Uh and you know, what's really funny is this is a little, it's a little disturbing to read. I'm a pretty open-minded guy, but when it gets to like the very graphic descriptions of the bear's like vertically ridged tongue doing things to um, the aforementioned honeypot. But again, I think I talked about this last episode. It, the book makes it seem so natural that the only thing that could happen, the only way that this story could possibly conclude in a satisfactory manner is with um, uh, bears, bears going down. Um, I do, I do think it's very funny the way that Engel writes this moment of, you know, this, this passionate encounter where the bear doesn't seem very, you know, willing, isn't really like, I guess, this active participant. And then in the very next chapter, it's bear's time, baby. The bear knows what the bear wants and the bear's going <laughs> to get it. And that, again, was a little bit of a flip. I needed a little bit more character development from bear. The bear could have used a little bit more character growth. <laughs> I could have used some chapters. I was about to say I could use some chapters from the bear's perspective, but actually I think the one POV for some of these is probably good. Um, I do, and I know we talked about this a little bit before because I think that um, Marion Engel here uses a very strong word at the very end of chapter 16 that really took me aback at least um, to explain kind of the final sexual yeah. encounter. So the last two chapters we read were 15 and 16. At the end of 15, we have the aforementioned sex scene um, that I sort of started, that I sort of danced around where Lou is with the bear by the fire. And it's, it's, this, it's a few paragraphs long, this particular sex scene. And then it, we go in through the next chapter, chapter 16, and 
it happens again. They have sex again very quickly, like right afterwards. I thought I was like over that and I was could set that sex scene aside and it would be a while before we got another one. But like you said, Lucky, this time the bear is the one who's like, oh, we're doing this. And she very much welcomes it. And yeah, um, Marion chooses at the end of chapter 16 a, I guess, controversial word for the for the honeypot or the, uh, the vagina. You can tell you can tell that I'm gay and that I'm a gay man. When I'm just like ah, oh, for the um, you know, the the thing down there between the girl's legs. It's not the hoo hoo, but the ha ha. <laughs> yeah, um, she at the bear ambles in and basically sticks its tongue up her, and she uses the I don't know the c word. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. At all, so the passage. I'm it. not going to say it either. But the passage goes: her fishy friend, which is a great nickname for him. Her fishy friend came up the stairs. His tongue bent vertically, and he put it up her. See you in Texas, which is not a word I feel comfortable saying, but is a pretty powerful word to put in, especially from the perspective of from a female writer. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if this is going to be a general trope in romance novels, because, you know, I think that it's going to be a lot of build up. We're going to see a lot of romance. And then it's going to be some of the filthiest words I've ever read on a piece of paper ever. And I guess I didn't really I guess I didn't click for me as we were reading this. And maybe this is just how romance novels are going to go. You know, maybe we're going to see some very powerful words here in the next couple of chapters well and it's funny because in the previously mentioned the first uh, oral sex scene she doesn't use any of that language she does dance around it in like a romance way she's just like she's words like warm good strange um you know nipples i think is like the most racy word you get and then like three pages later we're using the c word to describe what's going on down there and i think that's a powerful raw word choice and if we're looking at the book in like a literary way and not making not making fun of the parasex, it's hard for me to do. I'm like laughing through it. But like it is a powerful and effective word choice to use in this. And then right after that, she follows it up with a no, another note that falls out of a book, which is the offspring of a woman and a bear is a hero with the strength of a bear and the cleverness of a man. Old Finnish legend. She cried with joy. Yeah, that one gives me a real uncomfortable feeling. I mean, there's just so much justification that I feel like Marion Engel is almost writing this for herself a little bit. Like, I need people to know that this is okay because I have another story I need to tell in about 20 years that is really going to shock you if you don't aren't, if you aren't cool with this. <laughs> it's funny that she calls him a fishy friend because she like just she catches a fish like with her hands earlier. So she's kind of becoming a bear and she feeds it to the bear. And then the bear comes up and gets some honey. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't kiss a man who had just eaten fish. I wouldn't be rude about it, but I'd be like, can you please brush your teeth? Let alone let him into the holiest of holies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then another piece in this chapter one, I have one last thought that I didn't get to is um, in between the sex scenes, uh, Luke goes to town and she's going to send yeah, her does. friend a post. She go, oh, <laughs> she, this is about her literally going to tell Lucky, get your head out of the, get your head out of the honeypot. She goes to Homer's little store and she's going to send a postcard to her friend. And she chooses one of like bear cubs climbing a tree. And that's like such a fucking cheeky choice, Lou. You know, they had other varieties of postcards and she was like, hmm. Oh, <laughs> and I bet her friend got that postcard and was just like, God damn it, Lou, not again. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ with the bears. <laughs> what we don't hear in the story is uh, Lou's apartment back where she actually lives is like head to toe bear paintings, bear ceramics, <laughs> brown furniture, like really indicative. Everyone knows it except for Lou. 
It's so obvious to everybody. That's why Homer's like, oh, it's lifting his eyebrows. Homer's has a few uh, whoopsie moments on here. <laughs> That's why he's like, skulking in his boat with his binoculars, seeing what she's doing with his bear. Like, they're swimming together again. Oh, she's getting naked. Oh, no. Well, I think that's everything I've got for this episode. Do you have anything you want to finish up with us? Any news for our audience? Um, let's see. This is going to be episode three. Uh, next episode, we are going to be wrapping up Bear. Um, the chapters are going to be 17 through 22. So if you're reading along or just curious how close we are to the finish of this one, we're going to wrap up the book in our next episode. Um, I guess I should say that this isn't a one-off. Uh, we're going to keep reading romance novels. This is sort of our little book club. And um, whether you want to read along or not, we encourage you to keep listening. Uh, after we wrap up Bear, um, which was my, which was my perhaps regretful choice that I forced on Lucky, uh, Lucky's going to choose a couple books for me to choose from, and then we're just going to like keep rolling with going back and forth with um, with romance books. Yeah, general programming structure. We're just going to go one by one. Uh, we're going to have an episode before we actually start reading the book where we're going to talk about it, what we're excited about, maybe, you know, build some excitement with you so you can read it together with us. You know, we're hoping for something a little interactive. We want to hear from you. Um, we're really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this book for sure. And uh, we are on a regular production schedule now. Uh, the next episode will drop on May 22nd, the climactic end of The Incredible Story Bear by Marion Engel. Well, we sure had a lot of fun here today at the cabin. Old Lou's gone back out to see the bear, and I suppose I'll be heading home myself. Uh, this is Homer, signing off for the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. Sure some fishy things happening here. And this is Lucy Leroy. I go back to sit with bear. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lucy, don't! And you watch me. You watch me take shit. No, not a well. All right. We are shit. (laughs) 